Welcome to our podcast. Uh, today we're going to start a new series of podcasts uh, entitled The Nature of Being. And we'll get, begin with a reading from Meister Eckhart. This is a reading from Meister Eckhart, who's a uh, 14th century German theologian mystic. It's from his Talks of Instruction. People should not worry so much about what they have to do. They should consider rather what they are. If people in their ways are good, their deeds would shine brightly. If you are righteous, then your deeds will be righteous. Do not think to place holiness in doing. We should place holiness in being. For it is not the works that sanctify us, but we who sanctify the works. However holy the deeds may be, they do not sanctify us in the least, so far as they are deeds, but rather insofar as we are and have being. Just so far do we hollow all that we do, whether it be eating, sleeping, waking, or anything else. Those in whom being is slight, whatever deeds they do amount to nothing. Therefore note that all our endeavors should be devoted to being good, not caring so much about what we do, or what kind of works, but how the ground of our works is. Thanks, Rita. So this came to really the idea of looking at being. Because, you know, coming out of Easter, I sort of asked myself, sort of what difference does it make? You know, we, in Easter we talk about, you know, the resurrection life and living the resurrection and all that sort of is. You know, what sort of, what is new life? How does it look like? How does it feel to live supposedly differently after Easter? You know, that butterfly, you know, what butterfly emerges from the chrysalis when we make a decision, when we enter into that idea of new life? And that really comes down to, I thought, who we are essentially. It comes down really to the nature of being, the actual living out of our lives. And of course, being is a very elusive topic. The moment you think about it, you're not, exa- you're not actually being. The moment you think about being, you're thinking rather than being, and you've sort of lost it before you start. It's very difficult to, you know, to actually get it. And, and yet, you know, we do talk a lot about, you know, being in the whole spiritual arena. You know, the whole area of being is something that comes up a lot. You know, there was a very a time, I don't know if you remember, it was very fashionable, you know, to be, do, have. You know, to, to, uh, to be a thing, to be a healthy person. If you, if, you, if you be it and then do all the things that a healthy person does, then you will have health. The idea that being was a, at the essence of it. And if you be rich and do all the things that rich people do, you sort of have riches, sort of Bernie Madoff uh, approach to life. <laughs> and we also think a lot about what we do. You know, what we do is important. We... we you know, 
often in difficult situations, we think, well, what can I do? Doing is an, an emphasis a lot of the time. You know, we judge people by what they do. You know, he does a lot of charity work. You know, she was at Standing Rock. You know, we went on the demonstration yesterday. But, you know, the question, does he really do anything, comes up a lot. And in that reading, Meister Eckhart really puts the attention on being rather than doing. He says that you cannot place holiness in doing. It's difficult that. We're such a doing world. But he says you can't place holiness in doing. In other words, what you do doesn't make you good, but rather where you come from. It's not what you do, it's where you come from. He says that all your effort should be put into being good rather than caring about the sort of things we do. And that's not really the way our culture looks at it. You know, we prize people that do. You know, we like to see results. It's not enough for people just to be. They really have to get things done as well. Which is not to say that being doesn't get things done. My, my struggle says that if is that if people and their ways are good, their deeds will shine brightly. If people and their ways are good, their, their deeds will shine brightly. So he's really saying the emphasis is on the being side of things rather than the doing side of things. And I personally find that a bit difficult. If any of you know the Enneagram, do, do you know the Enneagram? I'm a three on the Enneagram. And a three on the Enneagram is I like to prove my worth. By doing things, you know, which is why I went into advertising. You know, you do an ad and people say, oh, what a great ad. You must be wonderful. You know, and actually, that's why I'm here now. You know, I like, you know, I've still not changed at all. You know, I want people to come up to me and say, oh, you know, that was great. You know, I feel affirmed by that. You know, and we all do. We feel affirmed by doing our deeds and offering them up and say, what do you think of this? You know, aren't I marvelous? Having said that, the idea of being, and this is, I think, interesting. The idea of being, although we think it's wonderful, doesn't always apply, doesn't always suggest good. The idea of being, even if you're being, it doesn't always suggest that you're being good. Often we think, you know, that it does. If I, only I could just be, to be in the moment, then everything would be all right. So being, I don't think, is necessarily a good thing. And that's a good place to start. It's not necessarily a good thing. You know, my son often talks about me being a pain. <laughs> how do you spell annoying? D-A-D. You know, that's how they do you know, My son you know, reminds me that I'm not necessarily being good. And you talk about people being pure evil. You can, you can be anything. The nature of being is really the essence of what you choose to operate out of. It's not necessarily a good thing. It's what you choose to operate out of. There is an aspect of it that is, you know, when you talk about being, there's an aspect of being that is uncalculated or not premeditated. That's where I think it comes down to. Or rather, it is calculated, but that calculation has already been made somewhere in us. And you operate of, out of the results of that calculation. 
that's really what being is. As you live your life, you grow up, you know, all of us grow up making decisions about life, about the way that life is. You know, these decisions may or may not be correct, but they result in a worldview. All of us have a, a worldview that we operate out of. And you settle on an idea of the way that the world is. And then operate out of that, whether that be decided through nature or nurture, it doesn't really matter how it comes to us, a decision is made. You know, that, that worldview, the worldview might be that everybody's mean, you know, and all out for their own ends. Or it might be that there is a fundamental interconnectedness of all things and that the universe is a friendly place. Whatever it is, we come to a sort of settled view, I think, on the way that life is, and we operate out of that settled view. And whatever your worldview is, and it's interesting just to try and work out what our worldview is, but whatever it is, that will affect your beingness. The decisions you default to when you just operate necessarily without consciously thinking about it. That is really your beingness, which is why some people end up being a pain or being evil or being good. They're, they are operating out of that worldview. So when you think about the nature of being, which of course you shouldn't, but when you do think about the nature of being, you have to look at where your worldview is coming from. Your own being, where is your worldview coming from? You have to be aware of the beliefs and assumptions that run you when you choose to run on automatic. That, that is really where it comes from. Which means that there is no intrinsic good in pure being. There's no intrinsic good there. There is just a series of assumptions that we come from without thinking about them. That, that is really what, what it is when it comes down to it. But given we're all here in the Aspen Chapel, which is famous for its inclusiveness and openness uh, to all things, and you know, we want to be thought of as being good, then the question we're really looking at is how to be good. How to be a beingness that's good. It's not, because it's not just enough to be. You have to really be good. And that's really what we're, we're aiming for. The sort of good, and this is what's difficult, the sort of good that doesn't look round to be congratulated for being good. It's the sort of being that doesn't look round to be congratulated for being good. The sort of good that is good even when no one is looking. You know that sort of good? You know, how good are you when no one is looking? when you can get away with it. Do you get away with it when you can? I mean, it's just worth just considering that when no one's looking. Jesus put his finger on it when, uh, when someone called him good. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And that's interesting, I think. No one is good 
except God alone. And of course, we try and get away with it when we can. That's the nature of the mind, to try and get away with it. Our ego tries to get over everything. And that's what Jesus is referring to. And it's interesting, he makes it clear there, he makes a clear distinction in that little bit between himself and God. One of the bits of evidence, I think, that goes towards the idea that Jesus, you know, he wasn't setting himself up as God. And it seems clear in that little passage, he wasn't setting himself up as God. But that's for another message. You know, he's actually saying no one is good except God alone. And what Jesus is saying is what Meister Eckhart was saying, is that the degree that we're good is the degree to which we turn ourselves over to God. The degree that we're good is the degree to which we can turn ourselves over to God. Richard Raw always says that God doesn't love us because we're good. We're good because God loves us. We're good to the degree that we can open ourselves to that love that God gives us. And so the nature of being that we're looking at, the nature of being good, is really about allowing that divine being, that natural order, that friendly universe, to make a home in us and express itself through us. That's really what we're aiming at when we talk about being in the spiritual sense. We're aiming really at, at being, allowing that divine nature to be within us. Only God is good means that on our own we cannot think ourselves into being good. And you know, that's a relief, isn't it? You can't think yourself into being good. No matter how much you try and be moral about it, you can't think yourself into being good because just think who's thinking about it. You can't do that. When we try to do that, we try to think of all the good works we can do to prove that we're good, both to ourselves and to those around us, which of course is not good at all. All it is, is us trying to cultivate the appearance of being good, which is what most of us do most of the time. You know, I, I like to cultivate the experience of it. I think, well, you know, what should a minister do in this situation? You know, I do think that a lot, you know, what should I do? It's not what should Jesus do, it's what should I do? You know, we try and cultivate our goodness. But when we open ourselves up to the divine, when we practice doing that in meditation and in various forms of spiritual practice that we get involved in, then we open ourselves. We open ourselves to being programmed in a different way. We open ourselves to being in a different way we, when we open ourselves to that. My Eckhart goes on to say that if a man holds fast to God, God and all his virtues cleave to him. And what before you sought now seeks you. And what before you pursued, now pursues you. And what before you fled, now flees you. I think it's lovely, I'll repeat that. If a man or woman, not very good in the 13th century at being inclusive in their language, so you have to excuse that. If a man holds fast to God, God and all his virtues cleave to him. And what before you sought... What before you, you, you went for now seeks you. What before you pursued now pursues you. And what before you fled now flees you. So in embracing the divine, we become divine. Which is the real message that Jesus is bringing us. 
when embracing the divine, we become divine. That idea of us all having those two natures, one human and one divine. And as, as I said before, Jesus, I don't think, came to be worshipped. I don't think that's why he came at all. He came that we might know God and become more of God. That we might know God and become more of God. That the divine would find a home in us as it had found a home in him. So that we might manifest the divine as he did. That, that's really what he was here for. It says in John 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. And that is the true nature of the resurrection. We're in Easter, so I'm just sort of continuing it. This is what I wasn't able to say last week. This is the true nature of the resurrection. A new life and a new love that is born in us through opening ourselves to that divine love and manifesting it in our lives. That is the nature of it. It's the ultimate worldview. Ultimate because it doesn't have human nature. It has a divine nature. In fact, we choose not to have our own worldview in this state of beingness. We choose not to have our own worldview. We choose to surrender that, to give up, and to allow that divine to be through us. And through doing that, we resurrect our lives. Through doing that, we resurrect our lives. And resurrect comes from the Latin word resurger, which means literally to rise again, to lift oneself, to be restored. That is the nature of our resurrection. That's what it really means. By allowing the divine to be in us, and by becoming all that's divine, and by this being our default way of being, we literally rise again. We're restored to our true humanity, part human and part divine. We're restored. To be without that divine is to be half human. Just the animal side of things. And we, we, we all act in an animal way, we know that. And having that divine in us restores our humanity. It allows us to rise up. Celebrating those two natures. So to live a resurrection life, to live a life of Christ to fully take on the meaning of Easter, we actually become God. We become divine. We allow the divine to live through us, to become our very being. And if you ask how to do that, then the answer is simple. It's practice, practice, practice in all things. That's why here we really emphasize the nature of practice, the meditation practice, whatever practice. Because it's there you practice it. You practice giving up. It's very difficult to give up in a queue in City Market with, you know, huge trolley in front of you, you know. But it is easy to give up. And you're in your home, when you're alone with a candle in front of you, you can give up. That's why you do it there. Because it's much easier to do it in those circumstances. And that's the nature of it. That's where you practice it. And that's where you establish your beingness. You, don't, you establish your beingness in your practice. And then you, as I said before, like a clockwork mouse, you just, you're wound up in your practice and you just go off. So the nature of being is established in practice. And it's lived out in real life. It's lived out in our lives. It's in the meditation, in the prayer, in the reading, in whatever you practice letting go of your worldview. 
It's in that and in allowing yourself to be taken over by goodness. And is that what we're going to talk about? Allowing ourselves to be taken over by goodness. I'm going to end with a quote from B. Griffiths, who says, uh, to discover God is not to discover an idea, but to discover oneself. It is to awake to that part of one's existence which has been hidden from sight and which one has refused to recognize. The discovery may be painful. It's like going through a kind of death, but it's the one thing which makes life worth living. And that is the nature of that resurrection life. Let's pray. We do pray for ourselves that you will allow us to manifest your divine life in the world, to let go of our own worldviews and to be able just to be in that spirit which you provide for us. We pray we may manifest that in our families, in our work, in our communities, all around us. We pray we may manifest that as a chapel, as we pray for our town, at this time of election, pray for the valley, pray for our country, that you will bless us and enable us to rise again. Pray for our world, all the difficult areas of the world. We pray for Korea and Afghanistan, Iraq, Russia, Chechnya. Just think of those difficult places, people struggling, elections all over the world. We pray that divine will may be done. When we think closer to home, we think of those who are struggling whatever way at the moment. Think of uh, Patricia Hill, Barbara Orcutt, Will Welsh, Val, Britt Karlberg, Anne Hodges, Tracy Houston, Shelley Franklin, Sister Melanie, Galen Gatsky, Linda Schneider, Katie Zanto, Jeff Schlepp, Lauren Ann Bauer, Jan Metz, Lainey Hers. Think of Willie who gives out our programs here, who's broken his hip. Just ask your blessing on him. Think of Dan Sheridan's family with the death of his mother. Family of Julia O'Rourke, family of Sarah williams And We ask your blessing on all these people, your healing touch upon them and their family and friends. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>